Luke chapter number one, we find our passage of scripture here. And just as I told you before, in the book of Luke, there's a lot of investigation. The Luke uh, is a medical doctor, and he took the time to investigate. Probably while Paul was in Caesarea uh, in jail there, he was caring for him. He took trips into Judea and learned about the origins of the Christmas story. The Bible says that Luke says he interviewed many eyewitnesses. I could just imagine he probably went to the shepherds and talked to them about their story and what happened and what their grandpa told them or what their dad told them about how that night was when the, uh, the, light, uh, uh, the night sky lit up and what it was like that time. He, he went, no doubt, to the, the temple and heard about Annas and, um, and uh, excuse me, Simeon and Anna the two senior citizens that had uh, greeted Mary and Joseph, found out about that. That wouldn't have been common knowledge for Luke, who possibly was a Greek, and uh, he wouldn't have known that, but he had to find out some information. So he went, and after having lots of people he talked to, felt comfortable with the Holy Spirit of God's help, obviously through the inspiration of Scripture, to write down the most thorough explanation of the Christmas story you'll find in the Bible. Of course, there are four Gospels, all of them talk of Jesus. By the way, I hope you and I talk of Jesus. I hope we love him and speak to him in prayer. Speak about him with people that know him. And then speak for him to people who have not yet heard the Gospel of Jesus Christ yet. But uh, Matthew tells us Jesus is the king. And of course, we read Matthew chapter 2, verse 2, worship the king. That, um, Luke does not talk about the, um, the wise men coming to visit him, but, but, but Matthew does because any king needs a, a royal magi to come and honor him with gifts. So Matthew talks about him as the king. Mark is a servant in the book of Mark. They don't even talk about the birth of Jesus. It's, not, it's just skipped over because... Uh, who your dad is, who your mom is. If you're a slave, it doesn't really matter. And so it's the birth of Jesus not recorded in Mark, or nor is it recorded in the book of John, because in John, he's God. But in Luke, he's man. And so God inspired the scriptures and told Luke to write about everything from the beginning with complete knowledge of kind of what happened based upon his observations, based upon his prowess, his prudence, and certainly his acumen. He put together a lot of wonderful information that I'm so glad I had the book of Luke. But he also tells about uh, the angel coming to Mary. And uh, Mary has a cousin named uh, Elizabeth. They, Elizabeth is from the tribe of Levi. Mary's from the tribe of Judah. So they were probably related somehow through marriage. But uh, Elizabeth would miraculously have a child after the later years of her life. And her and Zacharias, her husband was a, king, was a priest and uh, did a part of the, Aaron, the, the uh, Le- Levitical priesthood there in the temple. And he, they had a boy named John. They called him, they later known as John the Baptist, because he would baptize people after they, after they believed that the Messiah was alive. And he was six months older than Jesus. And then uh, whenever they found they were going to have a baby, then God told Mary she's going to have a baby. And she kind of did not understand everything was happening. She says, I, I'm not even married yet. I, how can I? I don't know a man. He said, oh, that's exactly what it has to be. Because you're going to be the virgin that has been picked out to carry the Christ child, miraculously conceived by the Holy Ghost. 
And, uh, of course, when she had all this information, one thing I love about Mary, she learned to ponder things in her heart. Sometimes people get stuff and it bothers them, they just talk about it. They, they post about it. They just, they just tell everybody everything. But Mary was very unique in that a lot of things were going on in her world, and she assimilated those and was very careful with her thinking and her words. And uh, I would encourage all of us Christians to be like that. Be like Mary in that way. But she received the news, and, and her first thought was to go and visit her cousin Elizabeth, who had also going to have a baby. And she was uh, farther along than Mary, six months ahead of her. And so she went and visited her. As soon as she came to the property where Elizabeth was, which was probably a long ways, Elizabeth, uh, Mary lived up in Nazareth, so she would have to travel maybe as much as maybe 80 miles or so to get down there to where Elizabeth was. She went, and as soon as Elizabeth saw her, the baby leaped in uh, sight of Louis Elizabeth's womb. By the way, that's all you need to know to know that abortion is not what we ought to be doing into killing babies, reminding her that there's something special happening. And she said, hey, this is the Christ child. You're carrying the Christ child. And she took on all of that and overwhelmed that, that Elizabeth, he didn't tell Elizabeth. Elizabeth already knew. The Holy Spirit told her. And now she has it. And in a moment, she would stay with Elizabeth for probably three months and would leave prior to John being born and make her way up. Of course, she would be expecting the baby not too long after that. So she would leave. But uh, while she was there, sometime Mary broke out in this song. Now, I'm telling you one thing I love about Mary, a lot of things I love about her, but there are 15 references to the Old Testament in this one uh, magnificent praise. Fifteen. So that would tell me that she knew her Bible. Would you agree with that? She was familiar with the Old Testament because she, she wove the, 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 the Word of God into her prayer and her praise to the Lord. See, Pastor Rob, we're talking about this because today I want to talk to you about, and this whole month, is praising God with eternity in view. Praising God with eternity in view. And I want to talk to you for a few weeks about praise of God in the Christmas story. If you keep reading the Christmas stories in Matthew and Luke, and I hope you will, you're going to find that there are many efforts to praise the Lord. You'll see the praise of the angels on the hillside. You'll see the praise of the, of the shepherds. You'll hear the praise of Zechariah when his son is born, John the Baptist. Uh, you're going to find the magi or the, the wise men come, and they worship the Lord and praise him, even as a Christ child. And by the way, if those people did that at Christmas, Christmas should be a time of praise in my heart and yours as well. With that in mind, I want to direct your attention back to our pastor's scripture. Verse 46 of Luke chapter 2. And the Bible says here in verse number 46, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. Can I just say to you something real quickly? All of us magnify something. Some of us magnify our opinion. Some of us magnify uh, people. American Idol. Uh, some of us magnify uh, uh, different groups or different people. But you know, the Bible tells us we ought to magnify the Lord. Now, most of the time when you see magnify in the Bible, it has to do with people magnifying themselves. It's not as often as, as magnifying the Lord. You can find it in the, in the book of Psalms in 34 and chapter 69. Both of those times we, we're commanded by God to magnify the Lord. 
Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear me glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. But really, it's a small time. Now, a few times in the Bible, God says he magnifies the leader in the eyes of the people. He magnifies himself. But many times you'll see the word magnify is that people magnify themselves. In the book of Daniel, you'll see that the, the Antichrist will do this in eternity or in future. He will magnify himself above all that is known of God. Boy, one thing you want to do is not magnify yourself. I don't want to magnify, the Bible says, let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. I love watching basketball. I don't like it when someone makes a basket and turns to the crowd and says, praise me, praise me, give me applaud. That goes against what the Bible tells us. Bible says, if you're going to, you know, anybody can praise himself. It says, let another man praise you, not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. But God wants to be magnified. And I think this is significant. She said, with all of her soul, you know, your soul in the Bible is how you think and how you feel and what you want. And she said, with all of my being, I want to exalt the Lord. My soul doth magnify the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 3, the Bible says this, If any man love God, the same is known of him. Do you know, if you love God, people around you know it. If you don't, they probably know it. Because our life needs to be a moonlight Christianity. Christ is the sun, and we're on this side of the earth on a dark world, and he needs to shine on our life to be magnified upon a dark world. I love what Mary said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. I hope that you and I will magnify the Lord. Talk about him. Be careful how you conduct yourself. What you do, what you say, what you post, where you go, what you, what you, how you conduct yourself with people, because everything is a reflection of Jesus. Number two, let's look at the next verse, verse 47. The Bible says here, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Let's talk about some things why God should be praised. Why did Mary praise the Lord? Number one, she praised him because she knew him as her Savior. Do you know the Lord is your Savior? You know, that's a really important. Brother Abdel brought that to our attention just moments ago. And when he said, do you remember where you were when you accepted the Lord as your Savior? If you don't remember where you were, it's probably because you weren't there. And that needs to happen December the 17th, today. Today would be a good day that you would exchange your sin for God's Son and make Him your Savior. Don't try to save yourself. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. All of us are sinners, and because of our sinful state, we cannot go to heaven on our own. You and I need a Savior. By the way, Mary needed a Savior. Mary knew that she needed a Savior. It's very significant. Occasionally, of course, in verse number 42, it doesn't say that she was exalted above women. She was exalted among women. That means she needed a Savior because she has a human father. You have a human father. I have a human father. And all of us have a sin nature. The only perfect person, and Mary wasn't in that group. Mary, the only perfect person, was the one that she birthed. Because he did not have a human father like I do. He didn't have a sin nature. That's why salvation is possible through Jesus. He, the innocent, died for us, the guilty. We can praise the Lord because he is our Savior. You say, Pastor, I can't praise him yet for that. Don't leave this room without getting that settled in your own heart. Everybody needs a Savior. And everybody can have a Savior in Jesus Christ. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 48. 
For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden, for he, and, and behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Another reason I think you can praise God, not only is he your Savior, but he knows you. He knows you. One of the things I love about reading Psalms 139 is that God knows me, and he's with me, and he made me, and he loves me. That's what we know about God. And he knows you. He said, you know, the Lord knows the lowest state of his handmaiden. I love the fact that I'm poor and needy, the Bible says, but the Lord thinketh about me. He thinks about you. You know, I don't, I don't care who you are, where you're from, if you're a man or you're a woman, if you're old or you're young, if you're sad or you're happy this morning, if you're grieving the loss of a loved one, ah, man, I'm telling you, just listening to people. I stood in a hospital room yesterday when Brother Carlos uh, sat there beside his, his wife, Joy, and she had an aneurysm through the night, the night before, and rushed her to the hospital, and, and uh, they knew that it was not possible to do a surgery and could not bring her back. And as I said there, stood there with him, and Brother Eddie spent hours there loving the family through a difficult time. I was so glad that God knows Brother Carlos. I'm glad he knew that God knew him, a Mississippi boy marrying an Arkansas girl. 57 years ago, sharing life together, and now she's going, she's, been with, she's going to be with the Lord. I'm so glad that God knows him. Yesterday, people had babies. Last week, they had babies, and they don't have the grief that Brother Carlos has. They have the joy. I watched a sweet little family this week, and they were holding their three-week-old baby. And then, boy, the little cute little pumpkin head just laying right there. Sweet, cute. And they're just as happy as they didn't know any better. Or someone else is grieving. You know God's with that person, and he's with the person that's grieving. He's with those that enjoy blessings and those that are enjoying or in, enduring a difficulty. He's there. You know, Mary said, Mary said, number one, I can praise him because he's my Savior. Number two, I can praise him because he knows my state. He knows where I am. She was a, a descendant of David, but she was a poor girl. Matter of fact, whenever they had the baby, they were supposed to go and they could offer a lamb, they could offer some, or if you didn't have any money, you could offer two little turtle doves. Guess what Joseph and Mary offered? Two little turtle doves. The least sacrifice that a person could have. I'm sure if they had a little bit more money, they could have finagled away to get a better place to have the baby in Bethlehem, but money was, was, a, was a factor. She says, I know I'm low, and I know I'm just a handmaid, but God loves me. And boy, you can praise God because he knows you. Look at the next there, and he wants to bless you. Look at the last part of verse number 48. Behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. I want you to know this, that God longs to be a blessing to your life. Every once in a while you find someone who just thinks God's a big ogre and he's mean, and if all, all the things that happen bad to me are all because of God, listen, don't go there. Don't get mad at a few things that have been done to you at the expense of all the things that God has done for you. And sweet Mary, she said, you know what? From this generation forward, God's going to call me blessed. People are going to call me blessed. God has blessed my life. I would love to right now take the time. We won't do it because of time. But I think God's people ought to be the happiest people in the world. Because we got so much to thank him for. So much to praise him for. So many things that God has done for us. Now, I'm not here to tell you if you had a bad day that it's, it's okay and, and uh, it's not that bad. I don't know. 
I, I remember standing yesterday in the, in the emergency room there with Brother Carlos, and I said, Brother Carlos, I'm so sorry. I don't know how it feels. Brother Eddie doesn't know how it feels to lose a spouse. But millions of men have done this. And you're going to have the help of God. He said, I know it, Pastor. I know. He already is helping me. You know, I'm so glad that God longs to bless his people. Would you look at the next verse, verse number 49, would you? Why should we praise the Lord? Because he's our Savior, because he knows us. He longs to bless our lives. We need to trust him for that. Verse 49, for he that is, um, I'm sorry, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things. You know, God has a track record of doing great stuff. <laughs> Brother Carlos was telling me, and forgive me for reiterating this, but he said, he said one day years ago, my wife, uh, my son, and you guys maybe remember Brother Staten's son passing away, was married to Miss Trina. And he said, uh, I'd been working three jobs. My wife was in the hospital getting ready to have surgery at 730 on a, on a morning. And he said, I was, I was so tired from working jobs. I'm going to go be with her that morning. But it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and God woke me up, and he said, Carlos, go anoint your wife with oil and pray over her. I want to heal her. He said, I was so tired. He said, but I wasn't about to ignore that. So I popped up as fast as you've seen anybody get out of bed. He said, I went to three Walgreens that night trying to find a little bit of oil. He said, I walked in the hospital room probably about 5 o'clock that morning. <clears throat> and my beautiful wife, Joyce, said, did you come to anoint me and pray over me? He said, that's exactly why I came. I've been waiting. He said, they put, I, I, I anointed with oil and I prayed over my wife that morning. The surgery was going to take place 7.30 the next morning. She said, honey, whenever they come, uh, if you know the doctor comes, you need to ask him uh, if, uh, if you need to re re be rechecked. So they were going to take foot four feet out of her colon that morning. The doctor came in with four resident uh, uh, doctors with him. And, and as he did every time, he went to go push her stomach and show where she was hurting. And he said he pushed and pushed and pushed, and she wasn't flinching. He goes, you're not flinching. What's the matter? He said, I don't know. It doesn't hurt. And they pushed and pushed, and he said, what's going on? They sent her for testing. They said, well, she doesn't need surgery this morning. You know, that's a one little story, but how many of you have a story like that? Where God miraculously has done great things. Mary, this little girl that would go through so many things. Matter of fact, Simeon said, a, a sword is going to pierce through your heart. You're going to be so hurt because of what's going to go happen to your son. But it's for the benefit of God and the kingdom of God. Someone innocent has to die for someone like us that are guilty. But she said, you know, in this story, she said, I want to praise God. Number one, because he's my savior. Number two, because he knows my state. Number three, because he longs to bless me. Number four, because he has a track record of doing the right thing and being so good in his mighty acts. Look at verse 49. He goes on to say, and, his, and holy is his what? You know, holy in the Bible, if you have a Bible today, you probably have, like mine says, it says holy Bible. Um, when God named his spirit, he named him the Holy Spirit. It means it's uniquely God's. And he says his name is unique to him. 
The wonderful thing about that, his name is holy. There is not another name given among men whereby we must be saved. I don't know about you, I don't want to ever take God's name in vain. I don't want to, I don't want to get mad and say, oh my. I don't want, to, I don't want to, to get mad and say his son's name. I don't want to damn anything with the name of God. Matter of fact, of the ten rules that God gave us in the Bible, the Ten Commandments, one of those has to do with his name. In Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, he said, There's neither there's salvation in the other. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. She says, I want to praise him because his name is holy. It's significant only to him. Look at verse 50, would you please? If you follow along in your Bible, verse 50. And his mercy unto them that fear him or recognize him from generation to generation. Boy, I'm telling you what, I love this because he has mercy that's available. It wasn't just available in Mary's generation, it's available in your generation. Because His mercy endureth how long? Forever. And the Bible tells us His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. God's faithfulness is great, and we ought to praise Him, we ought to holy, lift up His holy name and faithfulness every single day. Look, if you would please, the next verse, if we can, please. Verse 51. He showeth strength with His arms. He scattereth the proud in the imaginations of their heart. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. I want you to notice, I think he's welcome to be praised because he is the great equalizer. Have you ever noticed in life not everything seems to be fair? How many would ever notice that there? Some things that just don't line up. In this life, you can't connect the dots. But aren't you glad you can praise a God who will do all things well? He says, you know, sometimes he can put the proud in derision. He can, he can complicate and bring confusion to those who exalt themselves against him. He's the great equalizer. I want you to go to the next passage, and I need to close our message today, and I want to thank you for listening. Verse number 52, 53, And he had filled the hungry with good things. The rich hath he sent away empty. He hath opened his servant Israel in the remembrance of his mercy. And he spake to the fathers of Abraham and to his seed forever. As he conclude the psalm, he said, I want to praise him because he provides not only substance and provision, but he provides satisfaction to those who love him. You know, folks, wherever you are in life, I hope you'll be like Mary. You'll praise God for his provision and for his uh, satisfaction. To give you. you know, I like that song we sang this morning. All that I need is my faith in Jesus. There's lots of things that compete with Jesus, but you'll be amazed when you have Jesus in a relationship with him, how other things fall in comparison. She found that he was the one who filleth the hungry soul. He sent sometimes those who are wealthy away empty, but he's the one who opened Israel, his servant. I want to just tell you something. Of course, we live in a day and time where they tell me that Hatred for Israel in America is up 388%. Now, I don't know anything about that except for that's just demonic. One little nation of the world the size of New Jersey, and yet everybody's chosen to hate that country. But you know, Mary said, you know, I'm thankful. Because in this passage of Scripture, she gave personal praise, she gave practical praise, and then she gave prophetic praise. 
See, Pastor, what's this world coming to? It's coming right into the hand of God. And like it or lump it, Israel is the servant that God used to bring us the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, Pastor, why do people hate Israel so much? Why is over the last few, why is all this protest against Israel? You know why? Because they represent the God of the Bible. And you know, there's two things the Israelite nation has given us. Number one, they gave us our scriptures. The word of God came through Israelite people. Number two, the Israelite people is the group of people that God chose to give us our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know, dear friend, you want to make sure that you understand that Jesus is yours and you are his. This Christmas... And every day of the world, every Christian ought to want other people to hear about Jesus. I think tomorrow night we have a bunch of junior hires going to Navy Pier where they're going to enjoy time. Brother Dell is going to give to them, each of them, a little gospel tract that will say the reason Jesus came. On Friday night, our high school young people, scores of them, will load buses and they'll go down to Chicago and they'll give out these tracts and enjoy skating and go to Garrett's Popcorn and eat popcorn and do something else down there. But they're going to let people know. By the way, every one of us ought to be interested in getting people the reason for the season is Jesus Christ. As Mary concludes her praise, she said, Lord, I'm just so glad that you've helped the nation of Israel to bring the Savior into the world. And I want to ask you today, do you know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? Is there someone here today you're not sure about that? You may say, Pastor, I don't really have much to praise God for. Matter of fact, I came here pretty low, pretty frustrated, pretty miserable. And I say to you, if you're without Jesus, you need him. And if you have Jesus, you need to magnify him, just like Mary. You've got to find reasons this afternoon to praise God for what he's done for you. Let's pray together. Can we please?